Hi, I'm Sean Healy, and you're listening to Tools. Hi everyone, Sean Healy, personal development educator and NLP trainer here, and you're listening to episode 140 of Sean Healy Tools, a podcast intended to offer tips, tools, and resources for helping us to have the best quality life and relationships that we can. So welcome to episode 140 entitled, Do What I Tell You So That I Can Feel Better. Um... When, depending on the, the kind of dynamic we grew up in our family, family system, one of the ways in which uh, the family and individuals in the family learn to manage their own anxiety is by advising other family members. If, if I'm having a reaction to something you're doing or thinking, my method, um, though generally very ineffective, is to uh, want to advise you. Whether you want that advice or not, I'm going to tell you what, uh, what I want you to do. And if you do what I want you to do, then I get to feel better, at least temporarily, till the next time I need to advise you on uh, what else you're not doing or thinking correctly, or how else you might do or think or be better in life. Um, this is a this is a very hit and miss, very um, frustrating kind of strategy. And it can become very, very frustrating for a number of reasons. Because if we're carrying a belief, if we've developed a belief through our childhood that we can somehow, there's ways I can behave to get love and approval and get people to do what I want. Um, You know, whether that's by being very domineering in my opinion or being chronically people-pleasing or kind of offering sly, subtle advice, gently trying to manoeuvre people to where I want them to be. Um, And again, this idea that that somehow there's something I can do or say that's going to get the desired response that I want from people. Um, Once in a while, we might, but it's a it's a um, fundamentally um, uh, a very frustrating strategy. Um, by comparison, or the the problem that we also have with this is, whilst I might have the belief that there's things that I can do and say, and I can coerce and control others into doing what I want them to do, and behaving in the ways that I approve of, and that reduce my anxiety. Um, and again. We, this becomes more and more pertinent the closer we perceive a human being to us to be. Um, you know, we, we, we tend not to be um, so reactionary, let's say, with friends. Um, and this, to me, is one of the evidences, um, especially if we're dealing with uh, other adult family members. Um, do I give unsolicited advice um, to my friend, my adult friends? Um, you know, do I behave in the same way to my adult relatives as I do to my adult friends? That, that would be a, a pretty good rule of thumb because, again, um, unfortunately, with closeness brings a lot more anxiety because I'm invested 
in or, or I believe I'm invested in how you behave and think or how you behave and think is either consolidates our family system or threatens it or brings praise and approval to our family system or heaps shame and embarrassment on our family system. So, you know, I'm a lot more likely to be reactive, let's say, or embarrassed by how my partner or one of my family members might behave in public compared to one of my friends, because there's this perception of closeness and as a result of this closeness association. Um, so I'm a lot more inclined to give highly reactive um, advice to someone I'm close to with my friends, I'm likely to be far more effective. I'm going to hang back. I'm going to wait to be asked. And when I am asked, I'm not attached. You know, I might give my opinion in a non-reactionary way and my friend will take that on or not, but I'm not going to stew over the fact that my friend has asked for my opinion and then completely ignored it because it's it's their life and their choices. Whereas I might become very um, reactionary um, if a family member, I've, I've given you advice and, and you won't take it <laughs> rather than, well, you have the choice to take it. You're an adult making your own choices in the world and that's your kind of sovereign right. Um, um, and I'm not attached. If you ask me, I'll, I'll contribute some thoughts and you'll take it on or you won't. And that's entirely your own sovereign choice. Um, and that way, if we can get out of that reactionariness, we can have more genuine closeness because we feel honoured and validated as a person, not still in a dynamic that we can't seem to shake. Uh, you know, I'm not three years old anymore when that kind of thing was appropriate. Um, I'm however old I am. I'm in my 30s, 40s, 50s, and then we wonder why we can't get closeness or we come together for a, a, a piece of intense enmeshment and then we have to kind of find strategies to push each other away, always lamenting why aren't we closer. Um, whilst doing exactly the behaviours that keep that separation between us. So we're looking again at, you know, the closer we are to people, the more your behaviour can provoke a reaction in me. And and actually what the, the, the more effective method would be that instead of demanding you change your behaviour, the first thing I need to look at is the reasonableness or unreasonableness of my reaction to that behavior. What's being evoked in me as a result of this person making those choices for themselves? Um, and of course, we put the qualifier on this that um, are, are there moments, you know, if we're talking about cluster B type personalities, the psychopaths, the antisocial personality disorders, the extreme narcissists, this small percent of very character disordered, low conscience individuals, that's a whole different ballgame. What, what I'm referring to here is a family system like most family systems that's, that's you know, got a normal range of functionality and dysfunctionality. We're not, we're not talking about the extreme bands of, you know, PTSD reactivity or low conscience predatory individuals. Those those are a different ballpark here. But if we're talking about a family system for the most part that has um, has a baseline of normality with its own set of slightly dysfunctional patterns around intimacy and closeness and how that provokes anxiety, that that's that's the kind of that's the kind of place that advice like this sits, where you know I'm I'm more likely to get more benefit from assessing my re, my emotive reaction or reactivity to what you're doing and work on regulating myself then i still might 
make some choices about. But I'm but if I'm going to then make some, if I'm invited to contribute, I'm far more likely to make uh, some advice that comes from a place of adult clarity rather than reactionary. Um, um, reactionary kind of uh, lashing out that only ends up adding to family system anxiety and enmeshment. Doesn't actually get us anywhere, doesn't actually get us any closer, doesn't actually reduce any anxiety. Um, or it's just a momentary soothe um, of the anxiety, but it actually doesn't address anything and the anxiety will be back very, very soon. So when I'm looking at reactions I'm having towards in particular the people that are closest to me, what I'm looking at is, you know, is this a is this response a present moment response or is this historical in the sense that, yes, I've felt these feelings before and they stem from childhood and then, OK, what do I do about that? Well, the first thing is I've got to regulate myself, get myself back into a place of clarity, whether I'm working with a therapist or a coach or I'm doing some form of, you know, mindfulness work or self, I've got my ways of self-regulating. But but step number one is I've got to re-regulate myself back into my own calmness so that I can see with more clarity what needs to be done next or I realize, actually, I don't need to do anything at all. Um, you know, um, that that's that's them and they're making that choice and more power to them. And they'll, they'll wear the consequences and have the learnings of that. And why would I deprive them? Um, so this is a, you know, the, the, instead of focusing outwards to manage our anxiety and demanding that others make the change, um, that still, there still may be some requests around behavioural change, but step number one, uh, is, and something that's far more beneficial, is first I need to look inwards at the nature of my um, anxious and reactive response and manage that for myself. Get clear about where that comes from inside me. Then I will make a choice as to whether or not... Um, uh, I need to say something externally. But step one in these dynamics is instead of a reactionary piece of advice giving or an overfixation on someone else's behavior, a desire to correct what they're doing from our kind of mindset, first we're coming back and going, okay, what's going on here for me? What, how, you know, and am I in, uh, am I going to have a clear, grounded response here or have it, am I having a, a, a historical reaction? That, uh, you know, and I'm reacting to more than what's happening right here in the moment. I'm reacting, reacting to history. And this, this event here right now is reminding me of history. Um, and if I'm responding to history, then I'm likely to fail. Um, and the other paradoxical thing here is um, sometimes, depending on our, the, the, the kinds of lessons and modeling and demonstration we saw around um, uh, closeness and how to be both together and an individual within a family system, one of the ideas that we can end up taking away from childhood is that, you know, there are things that I can do to control people and get their approval or get them to think the way I want. Um, but also, if people try to control me or advise me and I go along with them, then I'm out of my integrity. Um, I can control others, but under no circumstance can I allow others to control me. Um, 
And if we're all running around with this idea that we can't let others control us, then um, this, you know, we're going to be hitting some brick walls here. <laughs> um, and what this does when I get the idea, I and, and I understand that as a child, we had little to no choice around going along with the things that we were directed to do. That that was the job of the parent, was to direct, to guide, to socialise, to love, to nurture, and to varying degrees that was either done effectively or it wasn't, or some areas were done effectively, others we missed out on, and again, that would depend on the kind of modelling and insight that our parents had from their parents. You know, th these are historical generational hand-downs. Um, but nevertheless, um, what can happen if we have the idea that we can't be controlled by others, that we can't be, you know, w what then happens is we get into an adult relationship and our partner requests something from us and we instantly hear that as a form of they're trying to control me. So I can't comply. Or even if I comply, I feel forced to comply. And then I'm going to find ways to sabotage that. I'm going to procrastinate. I'm going to miss out detail. I'm not going to do it as well as you like. Um, and this gets in the way we actually deprive ourselves by holding to this. It's, it's, it would appear at some level to be a, I'm making a strong stance for myself. Under no circumstances will people tell me what to do or control me. That is not healthy centeredness. That's not healthy eye position. That is swinging in the polarity and it's too far into separateness. A truly integrated adult is sometimes okay to walk an individual path and sometimes quite happy to be fully cooperative, fully okay to be told what to do, fully okay to follow, and at other times fully okay to lead. Um, with, without feeling that they've somehow compromised themselves. No, I'm making a willing acquiesce to our relationship, which contains the both of us. I'm making a willing acquiescence to the business I work in. And this way, we don't have the charge, you know, that when we're, when we're, the moment we hear someone make a demand or a request of us, we don't instantly go to, oh, you're trying to control me. I have to find a way to weasel out of this. Because if, if that's our, go, our instant go-to, we are going to miss out on the true joy of the moments where we can make a genuine collaboration with another human being. We can make genuine connection, whether that's connection with our children, whether that's connection with our partner, whether that's connection with our team in the workplace. Um, and this, to me is true integration of the idea of control and the idea of leading and following dynamics with inside any kind of relationship. That from time to time, the person that knows more about this or is perceived to know more, they step up and lead temporarily. And, and we've got this congruent willingness to be in the leading or the following position without the, the assumption that I've given myself away, I've compromised my integrity. I think true integrity comes from the fact that I can make an active choice, an informed choice, to occupy either position very comfortably. And I can see when I'm, you know, I'm learning true requests for collaboration rather than, are there sometimes agendered requests for control? Yes, but not all of them are that way. And if I'm automatically filtering everything as an attempt to uh, challenge my individuality, squash me down, 
and take away my autonomy, then I am taking away my true autonomy because I'm too far in this idea of separateness. I've swung too far to the polarity. It's like when a person says, well, I don't care what anyone else thinks. I'm doing what I want to do. That is swinging too far in the separateness polarity. We are always an individual in a system. We, we cannot escape the systemic connectedness, even if we try to do that geographically by going over the other side of the country. But if we're still as emotionally charged by our family system or our ex-partner or whatever, we might not be in the same physical space, but we are just as energetically connected as we've always been. Um, so this is where we're getting to a place where when things are not going the way we want, the, the first thing we, we need to do, you know, instead of going outwards and blaming and looking to control and direct everybody else and fixating what everyone else is doing wrong, they may or may not be doing the most useful thing right now. But the most, the first thing I have to do is, well, what's the most useful thing for me to do right now? Um, rather than focusing on whether you're right or wrong in this moment, as far as I perceive it, you know, that I need to work first on what's the most right thing for me. The most right thing for me right now might be to explore my reaction, make sure um, that it's a present moment response, not a historical reaction, get to a place of calmness, get to a place of clarity as much as I can. And even if that means I've got to buy time and step away temporarily to have a think about it, whatever the case may be, um, but then I can respond to this di dynamic. So the two takeaways here, um, I guess, from this particular episode is, is um, um, if I try to make myself feel better by focusing on another human being and, and what they need to do, um, there's every chance I'm going to end up even more frustrated than when I started. And the second thing here too is that um, if I have a blanket resistance to cooperation or control or I always, I always hear requests from others as an attempt to uh, control me, then I need to be looking at that too because I'm not integrated in the true sense of collaborativeness. And I miss out on that, not let alone everybody else. I miss out <coughs> because I am not integrated enough in a true sense of that. Um, that's that's a little bit of a stretch, but I really do think that it's worth considering that, you know, that, that belief that... Um, you know, uh, under no circumstances can I let somebody else control or direct me. Um, like I said, that that's a that to me is a historical belief, and really gets in the way of recognizing true moments of collaboration, um, where we willingly agree, we willingly get on board, and we bring our our full self to our relationship in the moment. Um, so there we go. Uh, there's episode 140. I hope that uh, adds to your database of thinking around life and around relationships and self-exploration. I think the more we understand some of the foundational beliefs and assumptions that we potentially have come from, that we picked up in our family systems, the more we get a chance to live a truly genuine, self-chosen adult life. Um, so hope you enjoyed it. Um, Thank you again, uh, everyone, for listening. As always, if you've been following along with the show for a long period of time um, or since the beginning, my profoundest gratitude, so grateful. Thank you. If you've just joined us, welcome. Really hope that you enjoyed the episode and it gave you some things to think about. 
Um, if you want to continue to support the show, please go to iTunes, download, subscribe, and leave a five-star review as it makes it easier for others to find the program. Um, this show is also available on Stitcher, Podbean, and other podcast mediums, as well as at the website emergencetraining.com.au. Um, most welcome to come and check us out at the website and also my YouTube channel, the Sean Healy Relationship Resourcing Series. Uh, by all means, um, check us out on YouTube too. Um, but really hope you enjoyed the episode, gave you some more things to um, help with the quality of your life. Um, and as always, I wish everyone, wherever you are in the world, thank you for listening. I wish you the absolute best on your life journey. And until we're together with each other on another episode, bye for now.